first few chapters, and, and again, this is just by way of review, we've been looking at the condition of man. The fact that man is a sinner. Paul proves the point. Man has sinned in rejecting God's witness of creation, rejecting his witness of conscience, rejecting his witness of the law, that in every respect, whether by creation, by uh, conscience, or by the code of the law, man has violated God's expectation and standard. We fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Paul makes that case. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the fact that in spite of our sin, God through Christ has reconciled us to Him in the cross. We have been justified by grace through faith. That is to say, God has made us as though we had never sinned. He has given us the righteousness of Christ. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. And in the passage here this morning, uh, verse 12 through verse 21, uh, we are going to see all of that simplified into a very clear projection of you're either headed on a path to death or you're headed on a path to life. You know, oftentimes we try to we take this, this book and we make it very complicated. And there are some challenging aspects to the Word of God, no doubt. God is an infinite being. We are finite. The finite comprehending the infinite is an impossible task were it not for the fact that God has, by His Spirit, revealed things to us. But really, oftentimes, the, the Gospel is, is very simple. It's not a complex issue. Little kids up here can understand that they are sinners. They can understand that Jesus died for them. They can understand that by believing in Jesus, they are new creatures. And that's really sort of the gospel right there. So, death through Adam, life through Christ. There are two places that every person who has ever lived has existed, either in Adam or in Christ. And that is the the focus of the passage here this morning. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Paul starts this thought off and he sort of stops mid-thought there, saying after he says, because all sinned. Sin entered the world there in the garden. And, and, and you know this, this is stuff that you've learned since you uh, went to Sunday school, but it bears repeating. Adam was created in the image of God. Eve was created out of the side of Adam. They were placed in the Garden of Eden and given authority over all of the garden. There was only one prohibition. God said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. For the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And of course, we know the story. The serpent tempted Eve. Eve saw the fruit that it was desirable to make one wise. And she took of the fruit and ate it. She gave it to Adam. He also ate of it. And sin entered in. 
Sin is simply a violation of God's standard. It's a missing of the mark. The term sin comes from uh, archery, where if you sin, it's because you missed the target. And the target is God's righteousness, His holiness. And Adam, in disobeying God's command, missed the mark. And sin entered in. And because of sin, death or separation. Ultimately, death is separation from God. In a, in a very immediate sense, it's separation from our bodies. We all die physically. Our bodies wear out. It's interesting, if you read through Genesis chapter 5, it gives uh, genealogy there. And it's, a, I think, a, important to note that in the genealogy, after every person's name, it said, and so-and-so died. It's an interesting chapter to read because there's a lot of death in that chapter, in the genealogy, because they all died, because they all sinned. Death had come in through the sin of Adam. Now, there's an interesting concept here that sin had come in through Adam and death through sin, and death came to all people because all sinned. Now, of course, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory in some respect. But that's really not what's being talked about here in verse 12. What's being talked about is the fact that in Adam, all of us have sinned. It's this concept of a federal head. Adam was the very first man, and all of us are racially related to Adam. We all descend from Adam. His nature is in each one of us here this morning. All of us are related to Adam in some way. It's, it's something that's called original sin or the sin nature. Because Adam sinned, all of us possess that sin nature from birth. David said in Psalm 51, in sin, my mother conceived me. So from the very outset, David recognized that he was a sinner. Sin entered in through Adam. And all of us, because we are biologically connected to Adam, possess that sin nature. So in Adam, all of us have sin. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? That, that all of us are related to Adam, and because of that physical relationship to him, the sin nature has passed down to each one of us. And so Adam's guilt is our guilt. And sometimes you can, you can stop and think about that and say, well, that's not really fair. I didn't get a shot at it in the garden. If I would have been there, maybe things would have been different. Well, that would be sort of like saying, well, if I could only participate, you know, here, here's, here's, here's an illustration. The United States weightlifting team doesn't place in the Olympics. And you say to yourself, well, if I could have been there, we would have done better. But the fact is that the United States weightlifting team is the very best that our nation has to offer. And we put them forth. And they do the very best that they can. And that was the case with Adam. Adam was created in the image of God. And, you know, sometimes because of the whole evolutionary theory and, and stuff, we, we sort of look back at, at ancient man as some kind of doofus. Some kind of Cro-Magnon, you know, cave-dwelling person. And that was not the case. Adam was created in the image of God. He was perfect. He was without sin. 
He was the best that our race had to offer. And yet he failed. So death came into the world. All people die because all people are racially descended from Adam. And we possess a sin nature. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who is a pattern of the one to come. So Adam is a, a, a representation or an illustration of the second Adam who is to come. And death reigned even from Adam to Moses, even though there was not a law that had been given forth. The law came on Sinai to Moses. The law had not come forth, but death reigned. Why did death reign? There was, there was no transgression that any of those people committed specifically. So why did they die? Because they were racially related to Adam. They were part of Adam's race. They were part of Adam's seed. And sin passed on to them. And sin causes death. So there was no law, but they died because they were connected to the sin of Adam. This is important to understand because none of us, none of us with our best effort will ever live a life without sin in the flesh. We can't do it. Our sin nature will not allow us to do that. We can intend to do well and, and we can, can move forward with, with all of the effort that we possess and yet we will fall short of the mark because we are sinners by nature. That is what Paul is pointing out here. But the gift is not like the trespass. Now the gift we're speaking of here is the gift of grace that God gave to us through Jesus Christ. So the gift of His Son is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So in Adam, each one of us possesses a sin nature, and because of that sin nature, we are headed towards a certain death. Physical death, to be sure. It's appointed unto men once to die, and then comes the judgment. But more importantly, and more dramatically, spiritual death. We're separated from God because of Adam's sin. And in Adam, that is the pathway. But a greater opportunity exists because of the gift of, that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And it overflows to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. So after Adam's sin, they were removed from the garden and ultimately, they did die physically. Their access to God became limited. No longer did they walk with Him in the cool of the day. They did not have that unfettered fellowship with God. And they were condemned to death. That was the punishment, the condemnation, the judgment that followed the sin. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought, as we've seen over the past few weeks, justification. God in Christ forgives us of our sins. Our slate is wiped clean. Every sin that we've committed, every sin that we ever will commit, every evil thought, every, every attempt 
to, to escape is forgiven. Washed away. And in its place, God puts the righteousness of Christ upon each one of us. That's justification. Sin removed, righteousness replaces it. So the gift that followed many trespasses brought justification. We've been justified by faith, by belief in Jesus Christ. And for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more then will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So that pathway that leads every man, every woman to death in Adam has been replaced through Christ. If we place our faith and our trust in Him, then we are no longer in Adam. That that connection to Adam that brought about certain sin is taken away, and we are placed into Christ. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians so much. 56 times in the book of Ephesians, it talks about us being in Christ. Baptized into the body of Christ. We start out at birth, just as David said, conceived in sin, in Adam. But there comes a point in time where every person has the opportunity to turn from that sin, to repent of that sin, and to put their faith in Christ. And when they do that, they are baptized into the body of Christ, and they are born again of the Spirit, a new birth. And every one of you here this morning who has been born again, who has been baptized into the body of Christ, you are no longer in Adam. Death no longer reigns in your life. The pathway that you are headed onto is no longer death, but now it is life. And it's not just life, but it's just as the vision statement of this church states. It's abundant life. It's abundant provision of grace through the gift of righteousness. And you can reign in life. You can have ascendancy in your life. It's not any longer something that has to just happen to you. We talked about that last week, how that we uh, glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can have a triumphant life because of the abundant grace that God has given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. That provision is more than adequate. There's two, two times here. Here in, in verse 17 where it talks about abundant provision of grace. And then later where it talks about grace increasing all the more in verse 20. The word there is talking about a, a superabundance, an overflow of grace. And, and it's, it's as if you, you had been playing in the mud there was one time when my kids were growing up that they had been playing in the mud, and literally they were black in mud from head to toe. Have, have any of your kids ever done that? I'm sure they have. They were black from head to toe. And they were so dirty, I decided not to bring them into to the bath. I decided to just keep them outside and spray them down. And I just kept spraying and spraying and spraying. And it took a while. That's the picture here, that God's grace just keeps spraying and spraying and spraying all over us. Yeah, we've gotten dirty in sin, but, but God's grace is super abundant. It's overflowing. 
The provision is always there, and it's more than adequate. It's as though we were standing under the uh, Niagara Falls of God's grace. Consequently, just as the one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Now, not all people take advantage of that. It's available to all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever should believe in him, should not perish, but should have everlasting life. So the, the gift is available to everyone, but not everyone avails themselves of that. Not everyone humbles themselves to the point of repentance of their sin and taking that next step of believing in Christ. But it is available for all people. And just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. It's, it's, it's interesting when you think about it. Have you ever thought about why the angels can't be redeemed? Anybody thought about that? The angels were all individually created. The angels did not descend from a single source. They were all individually created. All of us descended from one man. So, just as in Adam, his, his act of disobedience condemned all of us to, to death because of his sin, so also we can be redeemed through the righteous act of one man. The angels, the multitude of angels, can't be redeemed in that fashion. We can't. So, just as Adam sinned and caused condemnation, so Jesus obeyed and brought forth righteous, righteousness and justification. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. That is the law of Moses. So from Adam to Moses, death reigned. People continued to die, evidence the fact that they were sinners. But there was not a, a, a tracking of the sin because there was not a specific violation. It's, it's like if you go out on to Tamichi, and I think the speed limit there is 35, right? And you're driving 35, and then out towards the west part of town, it begins to transition 45 and then 55. And when I first moved to Gunnison, that transition wasn't always so obvious to me. I would move out onto the highway, and I'd be going like 60, 65, and I got pulled over a couple of times. It's like, why is this only 50 miles an hour? It should be more. It should be 60 or 65. It's only 50 there through, through the first part of the highway going outside of town there. Well, I got pulled over. It was a violation. It was a transgression of a posted speed limit. But if I was driving on the Autobahn in Germany, I could go as fast as I want because there is no speed limit. So the law was brought in. Now, now that's not to say that driving fast is necessarily safe. Or good for you. People who drive 150 miles an hour on the Audubon, I'm just suspecting there's a few accidents along the way. It's not saying it's good, but there's no violation. And that's what it's talking about here. When the law came in, it was brought in so that the trespass might increase, so that the knowledge of, the awareness of sin would be present. Because when there is a posted speed limit sign that you violate, 
you know that you're a speeder. There's no debate. You violated the law. So the law was brought in to point out to mankind that we were sinners. And sin did increase. But when sin increased, grace increased all the more. Again, in the Greek there, it's, it's where sin abounded, grace superabounded. So that, just as sin reigned in death, also grace then might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're beginning to transition here in chap- the end of chapter 5 into the, the argument for sanctification. We've been talking about justification, about our sin, about the fact that God has justified us. Well, what does a justified life begin to look like for you and for me? When we're justified by faith, what does that life look like? Well, we're going to talk about that in the next few passages, chapter 6 and chapter 7. What is the role of the law in our lives? What is its impact on us? And what should our lives uh, appear as, as Christians who have been born again of the Spirit? We'll see. So the conclusion here is that mankind, very simply, is either in Adam on a pathway to death or in Christ on a pathway to life, eternal life. So the question here this morning, for those of you who are sitting here and for those of you who are hearing my voice, is which pathway are you on? Which body are you in? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? It's that simple. It's that simple. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon each and every person who is hearing my voice. We ask, Lord, that those who are in Adam who are being convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin would humble themselves and repent and turn to you to receive the abundant gift of grace that has come through the obedience of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for those who are in Christ here this morning. I pray for those who are in Christ but are not experiencing or living an abundant life, a triumphant life a life that glories in every aspect of its existence. I pray for each of us, Lord, that you would begin to pour out your Spirit upon us, that our lives and our minds would be changed, our our lives would reflect the glory of Christ, our minds would be renewed to the image of your Son. Bless this congregation, Lord God, with superabundant grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to close in hymn 365, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. We'll sing the verses 1, 3, and 4. So let's go ahead and stand up.
Amen. Amen. What a great lyrics. Let's go ahead and join around. Take one another's hand, and we are going to worship in testimony. Again, just to remind everybody, next Saturday night, set your clocks ahead one hour, spring forward. I want to see everybody here at 9.30. We'll know if you're not. Yeah, we'll know. So, testimony, praises, concerns, joys, prayer requests, anyone? Robert? Prayer works. I have a praise. Um, we had a very successful middle school locker this weekend. I just want to thank everyone for their prayers for the event and all of my organizers and um, people that helped Valerie and Quincy and Rodrigo and Spencer. Thank you, everyone. It was great. They were expecting 26 or 27, and you had 40? 40. Oh my God. That's, that's awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Cody. Uh, I'd like to praise God for, uh, I recently sold my place in Ohio City, some of you know, um, we had two homes and sold it and got to trade, but really what the praise was, um, was how God took this opportunity for us to complete trust in him, to have patience and to have peace in the midst of that. It was really, it's something that was very Amen. It's the tough stuff that causes us to trust. Bonnie. And um, I just want to give praise to God. I just um, passed my oral exam, so I've been in grad school for two and a half years, so it was a really big test, so I'm really excited. <laughs> and thank you, nurse ladies that were praying for me, and I felt their prayers. I felt so calm during those um, couple hours. Um, so I'm very grateful to all who prayed for me. Thank you very, very much. So Bonnie has passed, and what's your next step, Bonnie? Amen. Yes, Kathy. Oh, good. Good. That is awesome news. Others. Just a prayer request for my son. Some of you know, I had put it out sometime before, uh, that he was having seizure-like symptoms. And he's been going through a variety of different tests and examinations and stuff. And it was, it's, they haven't been able to determine exactly what's going on. Well, I guess he went to an ear, nose, and throat uh, specialist this past week and had an MRI done. And um, there are some issues 
he has some polyps that are causing some problems and a deviated septum. So they think that maybe that's part of what's causing some of the seizure-like symptoms. So anyway, he's having surgery uh, next Wednesday. So if you wouldn't mind be, uh, keeping Zach in, in your prayers, that would be wonderful. <coughs> Other prayer requests or praises? Jenny. idea. Okay, that's awesome, expanding your ministry. That's, and I think the need is definitely there. Yeah, Robert. Peace.